Upon watching Jordan Peele's summer monster movie, Nope, I was unhappy. After obsessing for years over Get Out and enjoying Us, I had high expectations for this movie to, I don't know, mean something. But when I rolled credits on it, I felt like I'd watched a, well, a summer monster movie. Where was the scathing critique on race, government, capitalism, or whiteness? It wasn't there. All I could think about was this haunting first five minutes of the film over and over on repeat. And so I took to studying. I've written about five different nerdy sermons on this movie. One was about flipping the optics from the watched to the watchers. The other was on owning a historical inclusion and manipulation of racial relationships in Hollywood. And even still another was on the actual presentation of the monster itself. But in the end, I've scrapped all of them. And come to this, Jordan Peele stated from the very beginning that this film was supposed to be a spectacle. And it was. The word that comes to mind for this nerdy pastor when I consider the spectacle is the word miracle. Now maybe it's a bad miracle like OJ mentions in the film, but maybe not. Let's talk about it. Folks, welcome to Checkpoint Church, where nerds, geeks, and gamers come together to talk about faith, games, and the most haunting image of a horror movie starring Chris Kattan living rent-free in my head from this movie. I am your nerd pastor, Nate, and if you like these Wicked Deep Dives, be sure to sub, hit that bell, and find out when our next one drops. Folks, as always, we're going to be starting this with our scripture for today. Our scripture comes from the prophet Nahum, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. As always, I'm going to be reading from the NRSVUE. It's what's going to be up on the screen. It's a translation I prefer to use, but if you have one that you prefer to use, feel free to use that one as well. Woe, city of bloodshed, utterly deceitful, full of plunder, no end to the prey. The crack of whip and rumble of wheel, galloping horse and bounding chariot, horsemen charging, flashing sword and glittering spear, piles of dead, heaps of corpses, dead bodies without end. They stumble over the bodies because of the countless debaucheries of the prostitute, gracefully alluring, mistress of sorcery who enslaves nations through her debaucheries and peoples through her sorcery. I am against you, says the Lord of hosts, and will lift up your skirts over your face, and I will let nations look on your nakedness and kingdoms on your shame. I will throw filth at you and treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. Then all who see you will shrink from you and say, Nineveh is devastated. Who will bemoan her? Where shall I seek comforters for you? Well, after a cute passage of scripture like that, let's talk about the cute monster horror movie. Nope. Uh, by the way, this movie was kept super hush-hush by Jordan Peele himself. So even though I don't plan to get like too spoilery with this one, let's have just a legal spoiler warning to respect his intentions behind the experience of this movie. The first spoiler is right off the bat, and it is the actual title of the film, which is not Nope, but is instead N-O-P-E, as in not of planet Earth, because the monster in this movie is, of course, an extraterrestrial. Specifically, it's a UFO of some sort, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Nope is the third feature film from Jordan Peele. The film is set outside of Hollywood and centers around the successors of an animal training business for films in the area, the Haywood family. In fact, according to the canon of the film, these are the great-great-great-great-grandchildren of the black jockey featured in the first animated footage ever made. Where we pick up on the film is with the youngest boy, OJ who has inherited the family business after his father dies unexpectedly. His sister Emerald is an upstart overachiever at everything other than the family business, but at the end of the day, loves her brother. As the two of them wrestle with what exactly to do with the family business, something weird starts happening to the horses. They, uh, they keep getting, well, abducted by a UFO in the sky. Now, normally this would evoke what? Fear, a desire to leave, I don't know, a military phone call. 
But no, for OJ and his sister, they see this as their moment to get the money shot, or as OJ calls it, the Oprah shot. All of the UFO footage until this moment has been fuzzy and falsifiable, but they have a resident UFO right on their property. Why on earth wouldn't they try to get the best shot of it possible? So the two busy themselves to work, setting up high quality surveillance cams, even accidentally enlisting the help of nerd herd worker Angel. No matter what, these two are determined to capture the image that will serve as a spectacle. And that is the A plot of the movie, following this family, trying their best to get the best possible shot of this monster. But there's also a B plot and arguably even a C plot that serves as warnings against these efforts. The film opens with a gruesome and haunting scene of a chimp named Gordy that gores a young girl during the taping of a television show some years prior to the events of the film itself. This seems to obviously serve as an underlying sentiment that wild animals should not be used for television production, i.e for the spectacle that television brings because at the end they're wild animals to the point that this is even the canon reason why chimps are not allowed on set anymore in this universe. Skip forward and we have Jupe who was on the television show where the chimp went wild. He is now the proprietor of a theme park near the residence of the Haywood family. We learn that Jope has also seen the UFO, but he has plans to use it as part of his own act at the theme park, feeding it horses for the public in order to, you guessed it, make a spectacle. All three of these plots are prepped up by the literal first frame of the film being scripture. Believe you me, I was writing that down as soon as it showed up on screen. Jordan Peele quoting a minor prophet at the start of a monster blockbuster of the summer? Count me in. The scripture was one of the verses we just read, specifically Nahum 3, 6. I will throw filth at you and treat you with contempt and make you a spectacle. Or perhaps a more appropriate reading from the events of this film, and make you a spectacle. Now I gotta be real, uh, this is not my favorite verse for non-Christians to see from the Bible, but here we are. Maybe Peel just command F the uh, word spectacle to make it fit his MO for this movie, but it's worth considering and talking through nonetheless. So let's wrestle with the scripture a bit, huh? A helpful thing to understand about the prophets is that they served an important role amongst the Israelites and they weren't like, super popular, but they kind of went back and forth on this spectrum, not unlike the actual people of Israel. Essentially, the Old Testament stories of the Israelites go through a series of cycles of really the same story again and again. Israelites are blessed by God, they forget about God, they betray God, they're enslaved by a stronger nation, they're saved from the stronger nation by God, then they're blessed by God again, they forget about God again, rinse, and repeat. The prophets typically find themselves in two places. They warn the Israelites that they're headed down the wrong path about the time when they forget about God. And then they warn the stronger nation of what God is about to do to them to free the Israelites whenever it comes time for that on the cycle. Nahum is the latter. He's warning about a strong nation while the nation of Israel is in captivity by the Assyrian army. They're being oppressed. They're absolutely being cruelly punished. Uh, and it's, it's a hard time for them. And Nahum sees this vision of a crumbling of the Assyrians with particular focus on the area of Nineveh. Yeah, like Jonah's Nineveh, but at a different time. Nineveh had it pretty rough, huh? So this passage is Nahum basically delivering Yahweh's smack talk towards the Assyrian army and its confidants. And Yahweh has uh, no chill. It's brutal. There are no punches pulled for enslaving the Israelites. Now, a lot of this is kind of hyperbolic poetry, perhaps, but we know that the nation does fall. When the prophets write or speak from God's perspective, it's normally putting Yahweh in the shoes of the judge of the people. Very rarely do we actually get to see God, Bruce Almighty, smite me, almighty smiter moments, but 
For the most part, it's a forewarning and a threat of the eventual downfall at the hands of another nation. Sometimes it's the Israelites themselves that step up and overthrow with the assistance normally of one of the judges. And other times it's just another army that comes to their assistance. Uh, some other times they just become, well, salt pillars. It's anybody's guess, to be honest, what's going to happen to the oppressive nation. Of course, historically, we do know that these things come to some kind of fruition and the Israelites continue to go through that cycle for many, many centuries. But it's interesting here that Peel chose this particular moment where the vision of Nahum uses the word spectacle, specifically the Hebrew roi, which is only used a handful of times in that form in the entirety of the Bible. Most notably, it's the name that Hagar gives to God when she runs away from Abram, which if you know your Bible, that's a big deal. And this is the name that Job describes himself feeling like when he believes he's going to be unrecognizable after the enemy is done with him in Job. This is a heavy word. The root verb is just simply to see, but this specific use, this spectacle, means to be gawked at, to be drawn attention to negatively, to be made into a spectacle. So I think this is Jordan Peele's response to OJ's question in the film. OJ asks, what do you call a bad miracle? And I think Jordan Peele's response is a spectacle. When the nation of Assyria enslaves the kingdom of God, a miracle is gonna be done and it's not gonna be pretty. All eyes will be on Assyria because they will be made a spectacle. In the same way, when our human proclivity is to take the raw, uncontainable power of a wild animal, or worse, an extraterrestrial vehicle, and try to capture it for our own clout, that's going to be a spectacle. All eyes are going to be on us in a bad way. Now, I don't want to spoil the film or the end of it, but the story ultimately leaves the viewer with more questions than answers. There are a plethora of things that we don't get to know at the end of the film. Did the Haywoods get their miracle? I don't know the answer. I do know that most of the characters in the film don't get a pretty ending. Seeking out the spectacle is exactly what leads to the demise or near demise of nearly every member of this cast. It's transparent that Peel's argument is that spectacle is bad. It's dangerous. And yet, maybe this is also kind of a self-burn, a self-commentary, because this movie is a spectacle. He wrote this script with the intention of bringing in a crowd to the movie theater since the industry has been dying since the pandemic started. But some, myself included, might argue that Peel jumped the shark and sought out that spectacle to his own detriment in his craft. He maybe fell victim to the exact same thing that his characters did. But with all that said, what could this esoteric movie analysis possibly mean for you and me today? How can we use these ideas and concepts to live better lives, to do no harm, do good, or strive to grow? Well, it's clear that the spectacle is a tool. It's a thing that is capable of being used. God uses it, which is a, a pretty bold one, but whenever humans use it, it seems to be a pretty dangerous temptation. In our daily lives, it may be tempting to want to embrace the spectacle for ourselves. Who wouldn't want to pop off on Twitch, TikTok, or Instagram? Why not try to get the most possible attention for something, consequences be damned? While this is in our nature, it's a path that leads to ultimate ruin. The truth of the tech generation, hey, look, we hold a spectacle in our hands every single day. It is easier for us to make a spectacle than it has ever been. But that means we also need to be more aware of that power that we have than ever. Maybe the best decision to make sometimes is to just not poke the bear. Don't jump after each new spectacle ahead of you. Fame and power is just another God to worship and no one can serve two masters. As Christians, we already have the spectacle 
figured out. Christ was crucified. That was our bad miracle. But then the story kept going and the true miracle happened, a risen savior. We cannot top that spectacle and subsequent miracle. So we keep telling this story. We let our lives be a retelling of this story by living the life of a grace-filled, miraculous, risen Lord and Savior in Jesus Christ. So maybe what this story is telling us and the way we need to live is that it might be best if we let everything we do point towards something other than ourselves. To God be the glory. So whether you're making ends meet, trying to make it big, or just dealing with a bad breakup, know that you're always welcome here at Checkpoint Church. Folks, thank you so much for watching this video. We actually have a new stream schedule that I will send to our editor and it'll be put right here. But basically we're gonna be live just about every single day of the week, some weeks. Um, we're gonna be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then every other Friday. And then we'll also have a stream every other Wednesday that'll be going on. So we got a lot, we are changing, things are amping up and I'm very excited for the future of where we're going with our stream schedule. So be sure to follow us on Twitch if you don't already. And if you want access to this schedule 24 seven or to our adjusting schedule as it happens each week, be sure to join our Discord. We're active there every single day. We're always posting news and updates and letting people know what's going on there. There's even a react role in there where you can click the react and I'll notify you in Discord whenever we go live. So you never have to worry about a notification or turning it on again. Hey, quick question for you. What is your favorite monster flick? I'm personally more of a psychological horror fan myself. I don't tend to lean towards monster movies, but I think my gut instinct is probably like Gremlins. Do you count that? Does Gremlins count? I just love those goofy little boys. All right, folks, with that, we're gonna end this video with our three things that we believe to be true about every single one of you out there, no matter where you may be. Uh, we believe these three things to be true about you. Number one, we believe that God loves you, like really, really loves you. Number two, we love you. We want community with you. That's what we're doing here on Twitch, Discord, and YouTube. And number three, we believe that you, yes, you matter. You are a person of sacred worth. The world is a better place. Why? Because you are in it. Folks, with that, and until the next time that I see you, whether it be on Discord right now, on Twitch during the week, or maybe next week, same time, same place for another of these nerdy sermons. Whenever that may be, I look forward to seeing you then. Until then, bye-bye! Pokemon is a game I could play all day long. So why, so why am I writing down this silly song? So if my chat wouldn't mind, then maybe I could go back to stealing some babies. <laughs>